The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? A lot of people give up early because they're like, this is just not for me. But it's so much so about finding that meeting and finding the people that you can relate to. Yeah, exactly. And I, like, you know, it's kind of like the only space in the world where you can be with all types of people from all walks of life and have Mm -hmm. something in common. So it's almost like, especially in quarantine, when people are like drinking more and smoking more and just like getting more fucked up and trying to escape more, to have this place where you can go that basically is like therapy is such a, like a blessing. Like I feel bad for people who don't get to go to meetings almost. In this week's episode, I am met with fellow Dear Media alum, Lindsay from We Met at Acme. Lindsay is a native New Yorker, CEO of Lindsay's Lunchbox, and host of the popular dating podcast We Met at Acme, where she dives into all of the taboo subjects that you want to know about. So the cool thing is that Lindsay is also sober. Um, And in this week's episode, we're talking about what it's like to date sober, which is certainly not something easy to navigate when you are in recovery, I think, especially a new recovery. So I think that you guys will have so many takeaways from this week's episode. And with that, here is Lindsay. Since your podcast is all about dating, Let's talk about dating sober. I think that, um, mm. and we touched on this in when I went on your podcast, is the guy that you're dating now, did you start dating him before or after you were sober? After. So when I first got sober, I had a boyfriend and it was almost like this, the first week of my sobriety, I was like, oh my God, he he's an alcoholic. Cause it's like, when you date someone who's not sober and you're sober, like you just think that they have a problem no matter what. And I was like, oh my God, he's, he's got a problem. I got, I need to break up with him. And you know, someone who like had more time with than me was like, no, like you don't need to make any changes in your first year. Just like live your life, you know, like don't do anything drastic. And I was like, okay. And then you know, she was right. And eventually I realized that this person wasn't right for me. And it it really, it didn't have that much to do with drinking. It was just, this wasn't a correct match. And maybe it had to do with the fact that when I met them, I was, you know, someone else in so many ways. And then I met my now boyfriend um, when I was sober already, when I already had like a year. And that was only like six months ago, which is crazy because when you were telling me your story with your husband on my podcast, you said, you know, you were only together for eight months. And it's funny because like we've only been together for six months, but it feels like more, way more than that. And maybe that's just a quarantine thing. I don't know. So have you guys been basically living together since quarantine started? Living together with my parents. (laughs) Wow. Okay. How? 
How are you doing that? I need to know how you're <laughs> tolerating really that. really not easy. But like my parents have this place and it's big enough that like we can all exist here, but it is so not easy. And my sister's here with her son. It's like, it's a whole, it's, it's a shit show. It's like the Brady Bunch. Wow. I, I mean... It's one of those things, though, where it's kind of like this is the test of all tests. Like, can you stay together and happy and in this relationship in quarantine living with your parents? Right. And like, if you can stay, if you could stay happy living together, great. If you can stay happy living together with your parents, then it's like a new level. It's a new level. I when. When um, Evan and I got married three months later, I was pregnant with our first daughter, Harper. And Harper was born. And then temporarily we moved back in with my mom. I don't know how our relationship made it through that period. That was absolutely mm-hmm. brutal. Totally. Were your parents like, you just started dating this guy and now you want him to come live at our house? Or <laughs> what your what were your parents It's funny thoughts? because... We we were in the city in my apartment for like a few months before we moved in with my parents and we had been FaceTiming them. So they kind of like knew him over FaceTime and they knew he's just like a sweet, like, you know, nice Jewish boy that like is not gonna, you know, like wreak havoc. And so I think they were happy to have him come because they knew that it was the only way that I would come be with them is like if I could bring mm. him because I wasn't going to just like come here and separate from him and be miserable like with my family. So I think they were happy to have both of us. And like, it actually has really worked out. And he's like so helpful with the dishes and like things like that. And for some reason, we haven't killed each other yet. But there are moments. I think dating in sobriety is... It's definitely interesting. I thought that I needed alcohol or like a substance to make me more is palatable the right word maybe like <laughs> I, I, I definitely used it as like a crutch I definitely used it as a way to keep people away from me in a weird way but also to be mm. like fun and inviting and sexy and all of these things and dating and sobriety was definitely an adjustment to say the least, especially like sober sex. I feel like in the beginning for me, it was really, really fucking awkward. Yeah. Not only was it awkward, but like, you know, for me, because I like weed was my thing, like sex was always amazing. Everything always felt good, like to the extreme. And so when I was having like sober sex for the first time, I was like, I not, I just, it took me a while to like get into a groove. Um, and also like, it's kind of awkward to, and like, you're lucky you didn't have to experience this much. And I'm lucky I didn't either, but there's tons of people out there who are sober and single and continue to like date new people and have to like re-explain every time like, oh yeah, no, like I'm not drinking. And so, so many women have reached out to me and been like, how do I say I'm not drinking without it seeming like it was like this horrible, like huge thing, even if it was, you know? And so I'm always like, just say like, I like myself better without a drink or like "Mm, it wasn't working for me or like I don't need a drink for like social lubricant. I don't know. Like I feel like there's all these things that you can say until you're ready to like talk about it more, but it's still so annoying to have to like explain. Yeah. 
I didn't date outside of other people that were sober. So I didn't have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine that that could be uncomfortable, especially if you're not wanting to get like totally vulnerable in that first. I think that as especially so if (laughs) I can imagine if I was on a date with a man the first time and I was like, yeah, I used to be a heroin addict and I was a twice convicted felon, but like, I'm good now that that would, <laughs> I would never get that call back. And so it's hard to gauge yeah. like, what, what do you say in that circumstance as a mom who has had to go and make mom friends, right? Like it's just something you're having to do. I mean, every single mom drinks, like it's like a thing, especially right. I don't know if it's out there, but it's like the kids have play dates and the moms get together and drink. And for me, I was always just like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm sober. I've been sober for a while. I just don't drink. And then that was that. And I didn't, they didn't ask anything further and it was fine. And then as I started building relationships with a few select women, I felt more comfortable sharing. But yeah, sober sex is like, definitely bizarre the first I don't even know how long I think with Evan it was it was fine um but yeah it was definitely weird that's so interesting that you said that about the women because it's so true and it's become such like a normalized thing to like oh it's like it's mom o'clock like we're drinking like our kids are napping like let's get a drink and I feel like it teeters on like potentially an, an issue. issue, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I I recall um, I have, I live in this very like Stepford-like community and there's um right next to the school. The school's in the center of the like community and there's a little coffee shop and I dropped my daughter off at kindergarten on her very first day and my husband and I walked over to the coffee shop and they were doing mimosas at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning. And I was like, this is insane. And there was just tons of women there getting wasted at 8 a.m. celebrating the fact that their kids are back in school. That's like not a way to celebrate. <laughs> no. But it no, has... Especially it when has you have like, to pick your kids up at two. Right. And I feel like it has like... Um, you know, going back to drinking and dating or sorry, not drinking and dating it, it like, I feel like d- fights get diffused more often because I'm sober than if I was not, you know what I mean? Because I'm not like delusional in my head about like what happened. I'm like, Oh, like we had a fight and we're going to make up. Yeah. And not only that, but you're less paranoid. Don't you think you're like less, mm-hmm. I was so paranoid. You did a round of like rapid fire questions at the end. And when I was answering, I was like thinking about the old Alexis, how she would answer versus the Alexis now. And it's just Mm. like when you're living in a place of like radical acceptance, personal responsibility, and like just authenticity and truth, you're not that jealous person. You can't be. You can't be that person who's like, oh, none of my friends are allowed to friend this person. And I, you know what I mean? Like this like controlling, manipulative, chaotic person because you can't be, you Mm. will not stay sober if you're like that. 
Today we're spicing it up a bit. As you know, I'm a huge fan of Womb Warm Fly, specifically their coconut love oil. It's a total game changer, guys. And I'm so super excited to tell you about their new product launch called Woo Vibes, a clitoral vibrator and chic travel case for better sex on the go. Let's get this straight. This isn't your run-of-the-mill back alley sex store type of vibrator. Vibes is cute with white and rose gold tones and a special travel case designed to keep your toy clean and discreet for afterplay. It has a heart-shaped handle and is the perfect accessory for solo play or partner play. Don't nog it till you've tried it. Bringing vibes into the bedroom with a significant other is a game changer. Vibes has five functions. So basically there's five different rhythms to play with until you find your perfect vibe. It's made with premium silicone designed for clitoral stimulation. So love oil and vibes are BFFs. And when you're done playing, just unwrap one of Woo's freshy towelettes, wipe your vibes and store it back in the travel case. So easy and no one will know what you've been up to, but Woo. When the whole package is this chic and discreet, you can take vibes anywhere. Cabo, your best friend's wedding, in the shower, it's up to you. So what's your vibe? Head over to Woo More Play and use the code reality for 20% off your order of Woo Vibes today. That's 20% off with code reality. Trust me, you'll keep coming back for more. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. You may know me from Bravo TV's Family Karma and, of course, social media. I grew up in a very conservative Indian family, but I have always forged my own path and live life on my own terms. I recently left my successful career in New York City and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s, and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing, and I know you are too. Join me as I spill the chai on my own cringeworthy personal life experiences every Thursday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. I think being sober and like doing work on yourself, like doing work on yourself, regardless of being sober, when you work on yourself, like you gain confidence and you gain the confidence to like not be that person who is so like, oh my God, I need to like control everything in my life. And like, oh my God, is my friend talking to my boyfriend? It's like, you also wouldn't choose someone that you would be worried about your friend talking to, you know, it's like, you just make better choices. I agree. Yeah. Your, (laughs) your picker improves. I mean, although I will say in early sobriety, I was dating the worst, the cringiest dude ever. And I'm so grateful that I had the like inner guide that was like, this is all red flags and you need to get out of here. But it took me many months of dating him for me to finally go enough. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Well, early sobriety like doesn't really count. It's like, it's like not (laughs) real sobriety yet. Like things are still leaving your system. I agree. Like emotionally, physically and otherwise. Yeah. Like you're still... Mm -hmm looking at all of those like weird patterns that you have that you're just like not fully aware of yet. Is your boyfriend sober? He's not, but he like does not drink. Like he's, it's so funny. He's like the kind of guy that like 
will get a beer if like, like we'll have a beer if like we're at someone's house and they're like, do you want a beer? And he's just, he's just going to do it to like be nice, but then like doesn't touch the beer. And I'm like, mm, why don't you like drink your beer? He just like, he's never cared <laughs> about like getting fucked up. He's like the kind of guy that like wants to be president, you know, like he's just not like he, he just has his shit together to like the next level. Whereas like my ex was like British and like loved the pub and like needed his like, you know, his like alcohol, like drinking buddy time. Um, yeah. And like, you know, I, I almost have to like beg my boyfriend to like drink sometimes because I just like want to see him like get loose, but he like never really wants to. <laughs> He's like, mm, this is as loose as I get, honey. Um, yeah. I, I can't imagine being like, I could see myself being in a relationship if I wasn't married and and be fine mm -hmm. with someone who drank, but someone who's like drinking on a regular basis. I think that overall as a society, especially Western societies, we need to take a look at our relationship with substances. I mean, we're all yeah. trying to check out of our existence and of our realities. And I think it's time that we all reevaluate. But if I was dating someone who was just truly a normie, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But someone who was at the pub all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And like someone who couldn't just like take one night off, like because their girlfriend was sober. Like that's so red flag. Yeah, that's definitely an issue. Um, the other thing is having sex with someone who's like super drunk. I couldn't imagine doing it's that. It's weird. So weird. Yeah. Like you feel like you're taking advantage of them. Yeah. I mean, I do miss good drunk sex. Do you ever think about that? Like sometimes I do. Yeah, no, I obviously I miss that. But it's also like, but it's like, how good was it really? Mm. I think it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like worth it, you know? No, it's absolutely not worth it. But sometimes I think like, I mean, Evan and I have a great sex life after all of these years. But sometimes I think to myself like, if we had each had a glass of wine right now, like how frisky and like crazy yeah, could this yeah. really get? You can get? just like eat some oysters and then like get <laughs> horny from like the oysters. I cannot eat oysters. I cannot do it. I know. They're disgusting. It's so gross. I, I just the texture thing is unreal it's to vile. me. No, I, and, and I think that's a common misconception. Is that the right word? Yeah. I think that's a common. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a common misconception too that like when you get sober, your life and your sex life and your dating life is going to be so boring. I heard about um, sober bars in New York. Is that really a thing? Yeah, they exist. But like, I would not go to one just because like, I don't know. I Like I love, you know, being sober, but I don't need to like it's not my entire existence. Like I, it's, it's part of me, but it's not like my entire thing. So like, and, I, and again, like alcohol was never really my thing. So I don't need to go to a sober bar to like experience a bar. Like if I want to go to a bar, I'll go to a bar and not drink. But like our bar is that exciting. Not really. Um, I can go. So like my podcast is called We Met at Acme because it's based on actually a bar in the city called Acme. And I still go, I mean, obviously pre-pandemic, but I still would go and like dance and have the best time. And the bartenders like know that I don't drink. So they would like give me water and I would just dance and like 
like, that's so fun to me. I don't feel like I need to like go above and beyond to like a sober place to dance. But I do think it's really cool that those exist. As someone who still goes to lots of parties and events in LA, I am so over just asking for seltzer and lime. Like, can I just get a lime and soda? Yeah. No alcohol. <laughs> and so yep. um, I think that... It would be, I, I don't know, it's interesting. It's intriguing to me to have a place that's like actually informed and can make a great mocktail where you can go and like enjoy yourself where you're not around a whole bunch of like drunk and obnoxious people and yeah, can have a yeah, good time. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think the next time I go to yeah, New no, York, I'm gonna have to check it out. <laughs> I mean, I'll go with you. We'll see. I, we'll see how it is. I just think it's like intriguing to me. I'm not... I'm, it, it would definitely, it's not a place that I would like ha- be seen at on a regular basis. I just think it's like an interesting concept. I actually ordered a whole bunch of non-alcoholic alcohol to my house to make mocktails for my husband and I the other night. And was this is the first time I've ever done it or considered doing it. And mm-hmm. I got this non-alcoholic gin and I made gin and tonics for us and it was delicious and it kind of felt I don't know it felt like a little like vacation from our normal we put the kids to bed early we like sat fireside in the backyard and I like mixed us drinks and it was it was really fun that's so cute it was really cute Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about blue blocks. Blue light damages our eyes and can lead to digital eye strain. I don't know about you guys, but since COVID, I have been on my screens more than I ever have been before. Some symptoms of digital eye strain are blurred vision, headaches, dry, watery eyes, and for some, this can even cause heightened anxiety, depression, and low energy. Blue Blocks was created to fix these problems and block out the blue light with evidence-based high quality lenses. Unlike other types of blue light glasses, blue blocks are backed by the latest science and made under optics laboratory conditions in Australia. The founders were unhappy with the quality and lack of science behind the leading blue light blocking glasses brands. Other companies were mass producing unevidence-based back products in China with no understanding about how light actually impacts our health. They have over 20 different frames in the latest fashion trends and come in prescription, non-prescription, and readers. Blue blocks can also turn almost any pair of glasses into custom blue light blockers. They simply take your existing glasses and fit them with their lenses so you can have peace of mind knowing your blue blocks will fit correctly and that you have the pair that's right for you. Blue blocks is also giving back by working in partnership with Restoring Vision in their buy one gift one campaign for each pair of blue blocks is purchased they donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need i personally love my blue blocks glasses i also have their amazing red bulbs in my nightstand lights right now so that way we are receiving as little blue light as possible and right now you can get your energy back you can sleep better and block out the unhealthy effects of blue light with blue blocks go to blue blocks today and get free shipping worldwide and 15 percent off with code reality that's blue blocks b-l-u-b-l and use the code reality for 15% off. 
One of the most powerful ways to improve your overall health and happiness is to get a good night's sleep. But if your daily routine has changed, it can be harder to fall and stay asleep. That's why I'm so excited to partner with Calm, the app designed to help you ease stress and get the best night's sleep of your life. And when you relieve anxiety and improve your sleep, you feel better in every part of your life. Calm has a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and over a hundred sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry. Kelly Rowland, and Laura Dern. Over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep. And if you go to calm.com forward slash reality, you get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. Get the Calm app and experience a transformation in the way that you sleep. For listeners of our show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com forward slash reality. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com forward slash reality. That's calm, C-A-L-M.com forward slash reality. I was going to say, well, what fun dates have you guys gone on? But I guess since you guys have started dating. You've been in quarantine at your parents' house. So yeah, nothing really, but we'll do date night every now and then. And like, we'll, you know, I'll cook or we will like go outside when my parents are inside. Like we'll do whatever we can. Um, Like we'll go to the beach sometimes, just the two of us and like have day dates, but that's kind of it. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to date now. And like a lot of people still don't feel comfortable going to restaurants. So like, we're just, you know, trying to be safe, but yeah. I wonder right now, I'm sure with a lot of lonely single people out there, the Tinder and all of those apps, I'm sure are going Mm. crazy right now. Have you been hearing things like that from your listeners? Like, yeah, tons. Like, you know, I actually have a few friends who are like neighbors out here and I, and they're single and I love like going on friends hinges and like other dating apps. And so I have been going on them for friends and like made a few dates for them. People are all on them. Like if you're single right now, you're on the dating apps and you're trying to date. But it's hard because like not a lot of people are in New York and it's like people are staying with their parents. But it's still it's still very much a thing. And I would say more than ever, I think it's like 90% of people are on dating apps right now as opposed to like 50% before. Yeah, I I can imagine that that's really... You're so wanting connection right now, especially if you're living mm-hmm. single or you just have a roommate. And, you know, right. I can imagine that that would be really hard. So before we wrap, I would love for our listeners to get the three best dating tips that you have. Well, maybe I could go, maybe we'll do both men and women. So first do women and then do men. Okay, good idea. Okay. So for women, if you are a normal person who drinks, no more than two drinks, don't have sex on the first date and always be the first person to end the date. 
whether it's a virtual date or an in-person date, you have somewhere to be, you have somewhere to go. You have to wake up early. Like you can't be just like lingering. It's like not cute. Let's unpack all three. Wait, I want to unpack because I agree. (laughs) I agree with all of these. Okay. So one, why, why do you have the two drink max? Because you don't want to be sloppy. Like I never liked a sloppy guy on a date. Like you don't want to be a sloppy girl. No one likes a sloppy person. Yeah. At all. Okay. Like, just no one likes that. It's not cute. I agree. And just to keep yourself safe and to like make sure you're using your head exactly. and not like getting out of control. Exactly. Agree. Second, don't. What was it? Don't have sex on the first date or don't have sex. Don't have sex on the first date. Um. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be something like if you don't care, have sex on the first date, like live your life. But if you really want it to turn into something and you want to get to know each other or if you just want a hot build up like intention, don't have sex on the first date. Like wait, like draw it out, you know. So with Evan, I waited until we were in a monogamous relationship. I was like, we are not having sex until we can hook up and make out and like have all of the fun we want. But um, do you, are you familiar with Dr. Pat Allen? No. No. Okay. So Dr. Pat is amazing and I love her. Um, and it's funny because <laughs> the girls from That's So Retrograde and I did a swap and they actually knew who Dr. Pat was. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But she wrote this book, Getting to I Do. And it's basically about like feminine and masculine energy. Like even in, doesn't matter if you're in what kind of relationship you're in, whether it's straight or gay, doesn't matter. There's masculine energy and feminine energy, right? And that's not to say Mm -hmm. that one moment you can't be masculine and then your boyfriend's more in the feminine and you guys can swap. But relationships do better when one person is predominantly in one role and one person is predominantly in another. And it's so funny because my husband and I were actually both studying Dr. Pat Allen before we knew that each other was. So he had been going to like her seminars that that she would do on Sunday nights in LA. And I had read her book. And so he was staying in his like masculine and I was really staying in my feminine And one of the things Dr. Pat says is like, keep it closed until you get that commitment that you're in a monogamous relationship. And Evan was the first time that I did that. So I obviously don't know. I mean, I guess I could say it was successful, but I haven't tried it in more than like one relationship. I would always go on a date and maybe I would hook up the first night if I didn't want it to go anywhere or I would go on a date and I would not but I wouldn't wait until I actually had that commitment of like, we are not, we are going to be exclusive to each other and we are not going to see other people. Right. And it worked out really well for us. There you go. And then what it's was really, the last it's one? It's so important. The last one was like, end the date first. Oh yeah. Um, just because I feel like, you know, you just don't want to be like, you don't want to be someone who doesn't have anywhere to go or anywhere to be or anything to do. Yeah, I agree. You want to be... Even if it's like, I can't, I get up every morning at 7 a.m. and meditate. I don't care what the fuck you say. You, you're you doing something. I agree with that. Okay, yep. so your list for men now. For men, um, I would say, ooh, this is hard. Pay for the fucking date. Like, Oh my God. If you asked her, if you asked her on it, pay for it. If she asked yeah. you on it, whatever. But if you're the one that asked for the date, pay for the fucking date. So that's number one. And 
I would say number two, just like be a gentleman, like in every other aspect, like open the door for her, you know, be respectful to the waiter, like be a fucking gentleman. And then three, I guess I would say, um, kiss her or him. Um, you know, like a kiss on a first date is really nice. And I feel like if you feel comfortable with them, you should show your affection in a kiss. I agree. Definitely pay for the date. If Even if she asks you, you should always offer. Like even if yeah, she set, sure. like wants to set it up, fine. Always offer. And then of course, mm-hmm. be a gentleman. And I love a good kiss. I don't, it's like, let her take it somewhere else though. Like if it, like to more of like making out, don't be the right. one that's like so intense. Just like give a nice kiss. Right. And if she starts to like lead you towards she or he towards that, then fine. But if yep. not, then it's just a kiss. Agreed. And then what about Agreed. texting rules after? I think that you should always wait for the other person to text you first. Oh, for sure. If you're, if this is a hetero situation and you're the girl, do not send a follow-up thank you text. Like they do not need to be thanked again for paying for a drink for you or food, Mm -hmm. whatever. You thank them on the date. Do not send a text after. Let him take it from there. And always like ask a question. Like no one wants to text with someone who's like a dead end. Like always ask questions. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Asking open-ended questions I think is really a great way to help them find you more um, interesting as well because you're a type of person that like wants to know more and like can engage in a good conversation. Right. So I agree with that. And if if a guy is, you know, he should text you the next day and say thank you that was a great or like I really enjoyed my time with you what if you didn't enjoy your time with each other though then you don't ghost them but instead you say something like hey like had a really great time but like wasn't feeling a connection um like I wish you all the best and like you know I just wanted to be honest about that I think so many people are afraid to send that text and I get it because it's scary but like that unless like you want to keep the door open with them for a later run, like a rendezvous down the line, send that text because it's so much nicer than being ghosted and they'll really appreciate like the no bullshit. Yeah. And then the last thing that comes to mind is what if you do sleep with them the first night just because like the chemistry was so there and you couldn't not. Mm -hmm. And then you go, oh, fuck, what did I just do the next day? reel it back like to the next level. Like you have to leave immediately that morning. You have things to do all day. Don't respond to their texts for like hours. And then like, you know, like act like it was like nothing like that. You like didn't think about it twice. Like act like you did it because you didn't want something with them. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. My first thought was like pull back times a thousand. Like I would be, and I would even maybe say, Hey, I had a great night with you and that was a ton of fun, but that was like uh, too, too far too fast. And like, well, I don't regret it at all. Like if we continue dating, I just want to pull it back for the next couple of weeks and just see where this goes. Yeah, Don't be afraid to like have that conversation. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, communication. I've been married for eight years. When I started dating my husband, Tinder and all these things didn't exist. I certainly wouldn't want to be a, I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want to be dating today. I think it's exponentially more difficult than it was a decade ago. Yeah. But like, as long as you have confidence, you don't take it too seriously and you have zero expectations, you'll have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. And I know my listeners are going to love this. Where can everybody follow along with you and listen to We Met at Acme? Yeah, you can find We Met at Acme also on the Dear Media Network, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And we have an Instagram as well that's also just called We Met at Acme. Perfect. Thank you so much. This week's affirmation is, I am radiant with confidence, certainty, and optimism. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday, and you can follow along with us on Instagram at recoveringfromreality.com or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com.